Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by PoolConstructionPros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today. And in this episode, I sat down with John Miola to discuss defensive driving best practices. John is a practicing safety consultant based in Richmond, Virginia, serving private long-term clients primarily in the construction industry. Over the years, educating the industry on defensive driving has become a particular passion for him and for good reason. Throughout his career, he has too often seen firsthand or heard about the repercussions of motor vehicle-related incidents. He has a lot of stories to share about the often tragic results. Ironically, while the construction industry and OSHA place substantial attention on the fatal four, the four leading causes of construction fatalities, it fails to address motor vehicle crashes in the same way given that such incidents fall under the purview of the U.S. Department of Transportation. Yet as John points out, of the roughly 5,300 fatal incidents reported for 2020 in the industrial category, which includes construction, 40% were transportation related. And while not broken out by industry segment, the National Safety Council reports that an estimated 4.8 million roadway users were seriously injured in crashes last year. Looking beyond the statistics, there are business reasons that should give construction companies cause for concern about poor driving habits, as John points out. The fact is that if if you have a person behind the wheel of a company vehicle, your name is on the truck, or even, you know, it's just randomly out there, that implies the liability to your company far beyond what, you know, anybody on the, on the boots on the ground is going to realize. You've got a lot at risk. Because attitudes towards safety are far-reaching, John stresses the importance of instilling a safety mentality, regardless whether an employee is driving or on the job site. At the end of the day, your, the, the attitude and the sensibility of your employee behind that wheel, basically, if you can, if you can make this person a safer driver, more perceptive, more aware, more cautious, more conservative. If you can do that, the the reciprocal, the extended result comes out to be, they don't just forget that when they get out of the car. They are uniformly, a safer driver will translate into a safer worker, boots on the ground on the actual job site. So what you've done is you've, you've set the tone and set the standard for that employee Unfortunately, there isn't a lot of official guidance or a standard out there to help you develop a program for defensive driving best practices. So John offers some areas of focus, starting with driver selection, screening, testing, hiring, training, and supervision. He also encourages the use of relevant technology to both avoid incidents and monitor driver performance. They're making it easier all the time. GPS telemetry, um, um, cell phones, cabs, electronics, hands-free, driver technology assistance. That's what's actually coming to our uh, rescue to try to improve a careless driver, a negligent driver. At least you're going to have an alarm go off. 
if you get within so many feet of the vehicle ahead. So, so Detroit is trying, the auto industry is trying, the, the uh, digital industry is trying with uh, telemetry and, um, you know, uh, dash, all of the above, forward facing and forward and rear. It's kind of like, I'm gonna capture everything going on around me. It's like, you tell me somebody ran you off the road, well, I'm gonna actually see it. Safety behind the wheel begins with the driver. The qualified drivers are in short supply. Not just anyone should be allowed to drive company vehicles on the road. As John points out. The fact is, it just, it just it, it behooves us as employers to try and make the best selection for that driver and checking their track record, checking their background, doing the testing, all of that. John adds that with more states legalizing marijuana, there is an even greater risk that employees may be driving while impaired, making testing and related safety policies crucial. John goes on to state that if you're not taking advantage of the performance metrics on driving-related incidents, you should be. So you even measuring checking, fender benders, uh, any of the uh, operative issues, do people getting tickets? If somebody's, you know, having a problem with chronic overspeed, of which the GPS, uh, usually they tell you uh, who's doing what, well, there's got to be an equal and opposite you know, response to that. Make them watch a safety video, give them a notice. Uh, we do what's called safe work practices counseling. Um, we do it for just the most random stuff. I mean, if somebody gets a speeding ticket, uh, we give them a love letter in their personnel file. We basically give them a warning and say, hey, listen, this is not, you know, just some random thing. Working safely, driving safely is, is part of your responsibility. Part of ensuring safety on the road is, of course, providing drivers with safe vehicles to operate. This includes ensuring the vehicles are properly serviced and maintained before hitting the road. Do you have a fleet inspection, fleet maintenance program that's got to be there? Somebody's got to look at the tires. Somebody's got to look at the tread wear. Somebody's got to make sure, you know, your belts are not squealing and your fluids are loose. That's got to be done on a regular basis. I recommend it done weekly. We always attach a little form, a little check off. Most people say, hey, I'm lucky just to get these guys home at night. Okay. All of which, you know, just tells me you're probably running that fleet hard. Here's a clue. Here's one metric that we used at the insurance companies. If your trucks are in service every day, all day, and you're running them anything more than three quarters capacity, if it's a five, seven, two, if it's a 10 ton, uh, uh, 18 wheeler, and he's carrying, you know, 9.5 or 15.7, whatever his limits are, if he's at or near capacity, you need either a bigger truck or a really tight inspection schedule. Well, think about it. If you're carrying the maximum, you've got a five pound bag, paper bag, and you're carrying 4.9 pounds in it all day, every day, that bag's gonna wear up. As opposed to having a larger vehicle, lesser load, you know, some modifications thereof. And the default is the inspection program to say, yeah, we're gonna check because I guarantee you, your brakes, suspension, steering, tires, all your running gear, it's gonna wear out earlier and faster under a, uh, a heavier load, under a capacity load. So, so there's kind of like a check and a balance for every part along the way.
Diving into specific defensive driving best practices, John highlights some key tips that if you can get them in front of your drivers, he says can give them an enormous advantage in avoiding crashes. First and foremost is to maintain an appropriate following distance at all speeds. John recommends a four-second following distance, which he acknowledges isn't always easy to maintain at highway speeds, but can help to save drivers from the leading category of crashes, rear-end collisions, particularly when driving large vehicles or hauling heavy loads. And the message is four seconds, okay, fine. If you can, sure, do it. The message to your driver is leave sufficient space ahead of you for reactions, slowing, braking, something going wrong, the load shifting, those are the, that's the key parameter. If you can just do that one thing, it kind of cuts you a lot of slack on all of the other categories. How drivers navigate a vehicle on roadways can also be a factor in incidents. For example, John cites lack of proper lane change discipline as a leading cause of road rage incidents. And while navigating intersections may seem simple enough, it's not always as easy as it appears. We teach a class, we teach a, a half-day seminar on, on defensive driving. It includes a module, how to negotiate intersections. It's not as simple as just drive up, blow through if the light's green. It's, it's the, what, it is the highest crash frequency location for those rear-end crashes, but all others as well. T-bone, side swipe, pedestrian, bicycle, everything, a lot of it, intersections. It's something like, I don't know, close to 40% uh, in and around intersections. A cloverleaf on an interstate is an intersection. Most people, it's invisible. Say That's one of the most critical, because uh, you've got high speeds involved, drivers making decisions, um, using a controlled intersection with a light. It should be no surprise to anyone that John lists driver distractions as a critical safety factor, whether it's talking on cell phones, texting, or other distractions or impairments. He cites statistics that show 17% of every driver has some form of impairment on an average weekday. 17 out of 100 have some form of impairment. And that ranges from dead drunk, uh, forgot their medicine, don't have their glasses, uh, vehicle uh, vehicle deficiency, uh, um, just a range of impairments. On the weekends, that number goes up to 23%, which is effectively one out of five, one out of four. Only you don't know which one out of the four. That's the problem. Could be four, it could be whatever. So, so we need to kind of be aware that it's not just us. We could be the best driver on the planet. It's the other guy approaching, doing something uh, um, you know, out of proportion. Seasonal issues, obviously, your program should be addressing all of these. A defensive driving program is only valuable if it's put into use. To encourage adoption of defensive driving best practices, John advises making it about more than just compliance with company policy. He suggests stressing that this is knowledge employees can take home with them, whether it's to instill good driving habits in their 16-year-old or to ensure the safety of the vehicles that their loved ones will drive. One thing that we do, and, and it's pretty much bedrock becoming more uh, prominent throughout the safety, is make it family-oriented. Explain to that driver, explain to the, the crew 
that look, this is not just about the company or compliance. This is about you, the people who depend on you, your loved ones. Basically, when we publish a safety advisory, which we do seasonal and monthly safety meeting agenda, we tell them uniformly, say, you guys understand this? Any questions? Fine. You got it? Good. They say, you know, only 50% of this actually applies in our work environment, but 90% of it applies when you go home at night. In other words, the education, the information, the metrics that we apply at work, well, yeah, I get it for work, obviously. That's, that's you know, why we do it, but that's not only why we do it. You got to take this home. I don't want anything happening to you on the job or off the job or your family, by the way. Recognition of progress being made can also go a long way. John suggests a simple acknowledgement for those who are putting best practices into use. Some of my, you know, most effective measures came just by putting their name on the logo or the pin or the tchotchke or the sign or the emblem. Company name, company logo, employee name creates identification. Again, if you want extra credit on any of these, you figure out how to send that little souvenir or tchotchke or ice scraper home for the family to recognize. The intent is actually to change effective behavior. In other words, to tap into what motivates or demotivates someone to work, or in this case, drive in a safe manner. And for most people, that's family. In a lot of cases, being able to send the message home, because that employee, you know, he loves your company, he loves his job, he'll tell you that. Well, I'm here to tell you, he probably loves his family more. So when you start connecting with things that really do apply, that do matter, you know, you've kind of made a better connection. So the, the, um, at the end of the day, effective behavior, and here's some, some of the examples, is that when you do try to put your defensive driving message out there, um, don't tell me how to drive. I mean, that's it's like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to be safe on a job. I know my job. I'm a good driver. I never had a wreck. Really? It's like, okay, Jethro, I get that. And I accept it. However, I think we're going to do better. I don't want to take a chance on just you being lucky. I need to make sure we're doing it on a measurable, you know, even playing field that the metric is the same that applies to all others. And one of the ways we do this real simple is we tell them, we say, look, you know, there's a lot of people depending on you guys, you drivers. I need you people making very conservative decisions. And, and, you know, that, that whole time motion thing, studying about if somebody drives at 60 miles an hour, the road is posted at 60, 55, they drive at 60. Well, you're still okay. You're still in the ballpark. But if somebody's trying to push it at anything over, <clears throat> most, of the, most of the law enforcement, they'll give you like what they call zero to nine. They'll give you a little bit of allowance. When you try to push that, you're off the chart. Most people don't. Yeah, most people don't, you know, it doesn't register. And, and, and you know, the, the weird thing is that if you do a just very, again, very basic physics calculation, that extra three, seven miles an hour that you just pushed it and assumed an enormous risk of collision or accident or hidden dangers or whatever, you, you've arrived like eight seconds before you would have if you traveled at a much safer speed. So trying to get that perception. 
ultimately, defensive driving is about being able to make educated choices that can increase the chances of avoiding a potentially hazardous situation while on the road. The fact of the matter is uh, we want that driver company vehicle. We want them asking the question, you know, and say, what, what would Jesus do in this situation? What's the best outcome that I can achieve here? Slowing down? Normally, yeah, but not getting close enough that I have to slow down is better. So we want this person at least aware of what their the metrics are in any given situation. And driving is such a dynamic situation. It's going to change from the you know bank ATM teller line to the big box store to the intersection to the interstate to the uh, cresting a hill, uh, taking a turn, or loading the vehicle. I mean, there's just so many you know equative numbers that go into it. You you'll be lucky if the driver recognizes most of them. Because we'll never, I mean, I, I could do a research project and never get them all. But the fact is, the top 10 list that driver should be aware of. What is my braking distance, following distance, line of sight? Do I have washer fluid? Are the wipers smearing? Do I have the load secured? At the end of the day, uh, and I, 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 I've covered so much ground, I don't remember if I said it earlier. A, a safe driver will normally translate into a safe worker and vice versa. If a person is observant of all of the risk factors on the, on the job, fall protection, confined space, using tools, electricity, uh, stabbing yourself with a screwdriver, getting impaled, you know, tripping over. If you're good on the job, you're probably going to be a fair to average driver. In our rule book for defensive driving, average is not good enough. We want the person informed, educated, knowledgeable at the top of their game to make them an above average driver, because my job is to beat the rest of them that could be impaired, distracted, etc. So I kind of want to come in on the head of the curve. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to safety expert John Miola for taking the time to talk with us. Tune in every week for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpost.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.